Welcome to the Are Your Hands Full podcast, a step-by-step parenting podcast for your Jewish family. My name is Dr. S. Yaroslavitz, and I hope you enjoy this episode. So, it's the year 5777, and Chorben Bayes Rishon was approximately in the year 3409. Chorben Bayes Sheni was in approximately 3829. That means that Klal Yisrael hasn't experienced not a carbon, not the Kayan doing Aveda, not the Levium singing, or not Elias Haregel in close to 2,000 years. That's a very, very long, long time. If you calculate that each generation is approximately 25 years, then we and our children are about 80 or so links or generations away from the Beis Hamikdash and all of its ruchnius and beauty. The diarists have deteriorated to such a degree, and the gullus and all of its disasters has removed us so far that we cannot begin to understand or appreciate what we lost. We just don't get it. Yet, we expect our children to feel the loss and the sadness during the three weeks and the nine days. We tell them stories about the churban, describe the burning of the Beis Hamikdash, and we even try to update or modernize our message of the more recent Galios by telling them stories of the Spanish Inquisition and the Holocaust. We create an atmosphere of sadness and depression, and we want our children who are in the middle of their long-awaited summer vacation to join us in our sadness. The problem is that they too don't get it. How should they? It's not even fair to expect them to, because all of the outside influences that have changed the way we and our children perceive things and learn and absorb new constructs have set it up in such a way that they can't even relate to what we're missing. So even though we try so very hard to teach our children about the base of Migdash and about our history in Eretz Yisrael, their method of absorption has changed so much that the Beis HaMikdash and its Chorban remain so abstract that the average child today, even though socially they understand not to verbalize their thoughts and not to say it, the average child of today just counts the minutes until Chatzais of the 10th day of Av, of Yud Av, so that they can turn the music back on and jump into the swimming pool. So now I'm going to throw out the question. How do we go about reversing all of that? How do we get ourselves and our children to truly want the Geula? I know you might think that just looking around us at all the Tsaris and Klal Yisrael on both a personal and Klal level should trigger people to want the Geula. That's obvious. Yet, if you look around, all you see is that the more difficult life gets, the more we sink ourselves into the here and the now. The construction of the houses and the sales and the shopping and the simchas and the chesed and all the good things we do and all the not-so-good things we do, all the mindful things we do and all the mindless things we do. Somehow, we anesthetize ourselves like anesthesia by staying extremely busy so that we don't have to stop and think about where we're coming from and where we're going to. We just don't have to think about the Geula. Why? Why do we do that? After all, every neshama is asked, after it goes up to Shemayim, Hatsi Pisa Yeshua, 
Did you anticipate Mashiach? Did you anticipate the Beis HaMikdash? Did you want it? So, if we're brutally honest with ourselves, we are forced to admit that our fear of change and transition and the desire for the status quo and stability and relative safety force us to ignore and push away thoughts about our future. After all, it's very scary. No one quite knows what's going to happen when Mashiach comes, and the little bit that we do know frightens us. So we rather choose to ignore it, kind of like someone who's afraid to go to the dentist, and continue to invest into our lives here on this earth as, it, as if this is the last place we're ever going to spend our time. So then, when during the three weeks we're asked to mourn, to be misable about something we're not so sure we want to think about to begin with, the obvious reaction is to simply count the days until it's over so that we can, quote-unquote, get on with our lives. And of course, whether we want to admit this or not, our children observe our behaviors and learn from them. So here's a bit of a personal anecdote that might help change some of this. For those of you who don't know, I'm a therapist. I specialize in the behaviors of children. But as a sidekick, I also teach groups of women Sefer HaChinuch. Sefer HaChinuch is a Sefer that goes through all of the Tariyak mitzvahs in the order that they're presented in the Torah. And each mitzvah is explored in detail. My goal is to bring each and every mitzvah to life for my students, so that they can be the true akeres habayis, which really consists of being an enabler for husbands and children. How? By demonstrating emotional appreciation and excitement for each mitzvah. So when we got to Sefer Shemos, it was approximately Sukkot's time of last year, and in Sefer Shemos there are a bunch of mitzvahs in order about Karpen Pesach. So as I naturally expected, my typical student would tell me that she really doesn't want to learn about the carbon Pesach. She wants to learn about something that pertains to her, as opposed to the details of a carbon that doesn't pertain to her. So I took out a half a session, and I started discussing the concept of pertinence or pertaining. What do you mean that carbon Pesach doesn't pertain to you? Are you not a yid? Do you not wait with bated breath for Mashiach to come? And when Mashiach comes, don't you want to know what the first Pesach is going to look like? Don't you want to know what the first Erev Pesach is going to look like? Or do you want to be stuck with Erev Pesach and making the Seder the way you've always done it here in Gullus? Do you care about what the Beis HaMikdash is going to look like? When Mashiach comes, do you want to have some idea of how to get around Yerushalayim and where you're going to be allowed to walk and where not and when you're going to be allowed to go and when not? Does it make sense to invest hours and hours with an architect here planning the building or renovation of your house here in New York or New Jersey or wherever without having the slightest idea of what the main, most beautiful, most glorious, most ruchnik house in Klai Yisrael, what is the king's palace, the Rabban Shalom's palace is supposed to look like? So after they heard this, and as the months of the winter went by, my class and I explored the Beis Amigdash, the daily routines of the Karbanos, and the Aveda of the Kohanim. And we arrived to Pesach time. The Karban Pesach had a whole new life. We appreciated the wonderful Nisim of Erev Pesach after Chatzos, what it looked like. When millions of Yidin arrived to Yerushalayim and how there was room for everyone. And over a million Karbanos were systematically bought in a process of a few hours 
how organized the process it was, how there wasn't a single fly in the entire area of the Beis Hamikdash, no matter how many animals were being shechted. I found that after months of learning all of this, about the gold and about the silver and about the musical instruments and about the, the embroidery and about the gorgeous cedar and the marble, about learning how glorious it was, we were literally brought to tears on many occasions when we fantasized about what Yiddishkeit must have looked like when the Shechina was with us in the Beis HaMikdash. Listen, I know there are many articles, books, pictures about the Beis HaMikdash and what life looked like when the Beis HaMikdash stood erect. You can describe the Beis HaMikdash to your children using a variety of ways, with remarkable detail. I think the problem is that we teach our children all about this during the times of the year that we think it pertains. So, for example, we discuss the Karban Pesach at Pesach time, and we discuss the Bikurim at Shavuos time, etc., etc. I would like to suggest a very simple, but I think a very effective change, and that is the timing. I think we should describe the glory or the thrill of Barov Am Hadras Melech, of having all of Klal Yisrael in one place at one time, the level of Ruchnius, the level of beauty, when the Beis HaMikdash stood during the three weeks. Talk about what we lost. Describe what a Kayan did during a typical day versus a Yom Tov day. The details of how the animals got to the Beis HaMikdash, how the supplies were maintained, what happened to the wood, how they kept it bug-free and worm-free, what happened with the musical instruments, where were they stored, how did they make the katoras, what kind of herbs did they use, what kind of perfumes did they use, what kind of spices did they use, the clothing that they wore, the kohanim, etc., etc., where did they sleep, where did they say who had to come, what kind of mishmaros they were, without making them without making them study for a test on it like in school. Talk positive, talk nostalgic, let them see that you really miss it. Keep the halachas of the three weeks, of course you have to, but don't overstress the negativity associated with them. Tell stories of G'daylem that live every day craving the Beis HaMikdash and what exactly they miss. Remember, if you don't focus on what you lost, you don't create a need. And if you don't create a need in a child's mind, why should he or she be interested in all of your halachas and kinesis and everything else that's associated with the three weeks and the nine days? And by describing what we lost, our children will begin to relate to it, to crave it, to miss it, and eventually actually begin to want it enough to daven for it. May we be Zaycha to really miss our Rabbi Shalom in his house and be Makayim Hatsipisali Yeshua and see it rebuilt Bimhera Biamenu. Amen. Thanks for listening to my podcast. My name is Dr. S. Yaroslavitz and I am the director of Handsful, which is committed to the provision of community education in the area of behavior management and cognitive development of children. Send me your parenting questions by going to my website at handsfullchinuch.com or by WhatsApping me at 718-714-8595. I look forward to hearing from you. And remember, no matter how impossible things may seem, the earth will continue rotating on its axis.